Yeah, I just got to tell y'all what I just saw. And then Sarah came up at the same time. You, did you all see the movie Wonder Woman? Did you see Wonder Woman? Did you cry at the battle scene? Raise your hand if you cried, like sobbed at the battle scene. Why? Why? Because it's who I am. Because it's who you are. Because it's who God made you to be. And everything in me watching that knew, yes, that's what I was made for. And you all are an army. Like, I just see this mighty women standing up and roaring in one voice and declaring what heaven is saying. And so immediately I heard Ezekiel before she even started singing it. I didn't know that's what she was going to sing. But when God told Ezekiel, he said, Lord, can these bones live? And he's like, well, Lord, you know. And he said, prophesy to the bones. We don't, we don't sit there and go, oh, well, those bones look sure dry and they sure are dead. Because, see, that's what the world's doing right now. That's what the media is doing right now. They're just forecasting what they see on this low-level living. It's the static noise. We are called to speak above that and get God's thoughts, God's words, and speak to the freaking bones. And then when it's still, there wasn't still life in it. And so he said, well, prophesy to the breath. So he prophesied to the breath, and those bones became, became an exceedingly great army. And that's who you all are. Like God is calling us for such a time as this. Will you tap into what I'm saying? Will you get on the frequency of heaven? And will you dial in and tune in and say that? No matter the temptation to agree with what you see, because some of the facts are real, it's happening. But we cannot afford to be people who talk about the dry bones. We have got to speak to them. And like never before, I feel like God is calling us together in unity all across the body of Christ, across the world, to begin to speak with one voice to shake those things so that the things that can be shaken will be shaken. And the things that are supposed to remain, they will remain because God is establishing his beautiful bride. The kingdom of God, the glory of the Lord is covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. And you are the dispenser. You are his glory. And so, Father, we just thank you and we declare that, yes, Lord, that you have made us an exceedingly great army. Lord, you have bent our arms as a bow. You have sharpened our tongues as a sword. Lord, you have trained our hands for battle. And we will go as a warrior woman speaking the love of God to the planet. Lord, that your love wants to prophesy and break through all of that darkness and all of that fear. And we say, here we are, Lord, send me. But Lord, we will be the ones to go. Lord, that we want to resonate and resound with the frequency of heaven so that what you want released and established here will be God. And so, Lord, we lean in and we listen. And, Lord, we incline our ear to hear. And I thank you, God, that you're going to be removing some of that stuff that's clouding our lens that we see through. I thank you, God, that you're removing some of that stuff, some of just the junk from the issues of life and past things, God, that are causing our words to not quite be filled as with love and the sharpness of your spirit that it could be. So, Lord, we give you permission to place your finger on those parts of our lives, God, where there has been criticism, judgment, easily offended, that you're removing those things. Because, Lord, we want to see brightly and clearly because you're our lens, Jesus. 
We want to prophesy sharply and beautifully and full of love and wisdom because that's who you are. So, Father, I thank you for every single one of these powerful women that are in here, and I ask you that you would increase and stir up the hunger within them. They would not be here if they were not hungry. So, Lord, I thank you, and myself included, Lord, that we all stir the hunger in us, God. Stir the affections of our heart, God, for you and for one another. Lord, cause your love to be so bursting forth from the inside of us that we cannot help but go outside and prophesy. Lord, that we cannot contain ourselves, that we would be so recklessly abandoned to you that we just go out there and we don't care if we're like David running naked in the street. Well, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we didn't. Maybe we won't do that. But Lord, let it be so among this group of women that this year would so mark our lives, God. So I just bless every woman here. I thank you, God, that you have given them seeing eyes and hearing ears. Thank you that every single one one of us in here can hear your voice because we're your sheep. And you have made us to know your voice. You have made yourself vulnerable to us, God. You want to be known. You want to make yourself known. And we say the same to you, God. Come and know us more deeply, even if that's possible. And Lord, let us know each other and know you more deeply. That vulnerability would so mark your people, God, that we do not walk around trying to hide in shame or cover or compete or compare because that's just not who we are. That's not who you've made us to be. Thank you, God, for what you want to do. I just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Wendy. It's more fun to pray when you have somebody beautifully playing in the background. (laughs) Could you just stay up there and play the whole time? Uh, Thank y'all so much. We have a lot of new faces in the room this year, too. Yay, Yay, it's so exciting. I love it. Some old friends, and meaning longtime friends, not old, but, you know, friends from a while ago. And while I'm getting my stuff together here, just talk amongst yourselves for a second. Um, I am so excited about this year. Don't y'all feel like we've been gone a long time? I feel like it's been a long time. Well, even though, raise your hand if you came to some of them in the summer, if you did some of those. Well, yeah, so there's a good handful of you that did. Um, uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, We had so much fun. This summer, we kind of just jumped right into it, and we really just went for it. We were doing prophetic activations, and yes, there was some teaching, but we literally practiced, because this year, it's all going to be, I don't know if it's going to be the entire year. I know for sure it's this whole entire semester. Usually I take the summer and pray about what I feel like God is saying, what he wants to do for the year. And I knew even last spring that he was saying, I want you to begin to start to focus on the prophetic. And I was like, well, that's great. And I love the prophetic. And that's one of my main, my main things that jazzes me up. But I didn't quite understand until a couple of us, uh, Deborah and Diane and I went out to the prophetic trainers conference at the mission in Vacaville in May And that just really like fanned the flame in me again and stirred the affections in my heart. And I know what God is saying right now is just that, it's that we have got to be the voice, his voice that is speaking and establishing something on the planet. And the truth is, you know, God's dream for humanity, and he prophesied it through Joel, is that when he poured out his spirit, all of his sons and daughters would prophesy. And even when he was calling Moses and his people to himself, he really wanted them all to hear him. 
He wanted them all to be a nation of priests unto himself, priests and kings, and that's who we are. So we all get to prophesy. And it says in 1 Corinthians 14, think verse 31, where Paul says, all can prophesy one by one. So right there, just the very beginning, we can take it off the plate that, well, I don't hear God and I can't prophesy. Okay? We can all hear from God. But I really believe that the reason that the Lord right now is really wanting to talk about this is when the Lord spoke creation into existence, what did he use? His voice. And we know, and scientists say, that the universe is continuing to expand. So here's the thing. When we say what God is saying, when we make a declaration, when we agree with heaven, because heaven and earth are looking for agreement, the earth right now is groaning. The earth is groaning. The earth is shouting out for the revealing, the manifestation of mature sons and daughters of God to rise up, be who they are, but also say what God is saying. And so I think that it is contingent upon us like never before that the prophetic not be spooky. I liked it in the Mirror Bible. I read it in 1 Corinthians 12, 1. He says, spiritual manifestations are not to be confused with the spooky. Just because it is spirit dimension does not mean that you cannot understand what God's spirit is saying to you. And so since he spoke the world into existence with his voice, that power of sound that all of creation responds, runs to, to take the shape and the form of that word. That is a quantum physics fact. So when I am agreeing with heaven, then earth and heaven are coming into agreement, and what I am saying out of my mouth is the word of the Lord. All of creation runs to, responds to, and forms that thing. So how many of you know how important it is then that I learn how, how do I hear what God is saying? What is he saying? How can my discernment be sharpened? And all of that kind of stuff we're going to do this year. And we're going to do a whole lot of repetition, and it scares the fire out of some of you to think that you're going to stand up and prophesy, and you don't have to get up here and do it. But how many of you thought it was going to be super scary this summer when we did it, and when we did the little activations, you realized it wasn't quite as scary as I thought? Raise your hand. Two. (laughs) Everybody else thought it was scary or wasn't scary to you at all? (laughs) It was. It's not that scary. And the fact of the matter is when you're doing it and you're learning to hear, and you're realizing, I do hear God, and I can release it. So we're going to do some really, really practical stuff, but today, I need to turn to my notes, today I really just kind of want to give a broad brush overview of the prophetic and kind of then get down to some of the nuts and bolts of what we believe um, as protocol for the prophetic and how we release prophetic words and how we prophesy and that kind of thing. And at the end, we are going to do a prophetic activation. I will this week say if you do not want to do that, you don't have to do it. But I think you should because it's, it's awesome and you'll be good at it. But then next week we'll do them too. Every single week we're going to do some prophetic activation. So this year is going to be filled with teaching, yes, but then we're going to spend good, a good portion of the time doing some really fun exercises that do. It's, it's really a funny thing, but when I was out in Vacaville with Deborah and Diane, it's true that the very first times maybe, and this was especially when we were learning how to do word of knowledge drills, like we would miss them all. And then you do it again, and you maybe would get one right, and again, and maybe two. And the entire room of, I don't know how many people, 800 people there, after repeating it and doing it again and again, our like accuracy level went way up. It was crazy. So it is true that by repetition, 
And it sounds, people are like, well, that sounds weird because here's the misunderstanding about prophecy. That all of a sudden, Holy Spirit just takes over you and you have such an unbelievable unction that you know that this is the word of the Lord and you have to say it. Because if you grew up like me, there's two, well, there's lots of lies that's in church history, but two big lies in church history. Number one is cessationism. And I grew up under a cessationist theology, which is that all of the gifts of the Spirit ceased with the closed canon of Scripture or when the last apostle died. So when you grow up with that, there's no faith. And then the second lie is uh, vilification, that if somebody is prophesying or if somebody is speaking in tongue, it's of the devil. And that's vilification. So when you grow up with that, it completely shuts down your faith. And in the kingdom, we receive everything by grace through faith. So I have a gate of faith that needs to be open so that I can receive by grace. It's a gift, right? I am not a prophetic person because I worked really hard and had a long quiet time this morning and did all the stuff I was supposed to do and I earned it and I deserved it. It's a gift. And God gives his gifts because he loves his people and he wants to bless the planet. And so we get to hear his thoughts and access the the thoughts, the heart and the mind of the Father to release it to the planet. So when cessationism and then vilification were in my world, I had zero faith. I mean, I didn't believe it existed. Well, then all of a sudden, Holy Spirit surprises me and shows up in my bedroom 20 years ago, and I'm like, whoa, (laughs) what is this? So so I swing the other pendulum, because then the kind of the group or the tribe or camp that I ran with, it was the exceptionism. And exceptionism is that you wait for the prophet to come in town. And when the prophet comes in town, the prophet will give the word of the Lord, and it probably was, thus saith the Lord. And and that's great. It was just more of an old style of the prophetic, but it limited it to a very special few, didn't it? When the truth is that Paul said, all can prophesy. Joel said, in the last days when I pour out my spirit, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. When Jesus shows up at the scene and he goes and he pours out Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost... Everyone gets to prophesy. Part of the reason that the Jews were so freaked out and mad all the time about what Jesus was saying is because it was all-inclusive. Jubilee included everyone. They were okay when they were like, oh, it's just us, you know, Jesus. But no, when he began to include every tribe, every race, every people, and every nation, they got really freaked out about that and really angry. They wanted to actually throw him off a cliff. So every single one of us can hear from God. Every single one of us can access his heart and his thoughts. And I, I believe that, you know, the Lord is returning for a mature church, a mature bride. And I believe that part of the reason that we have not seen the maturity level that we should is because we have completely misunderstood the prophetic. And I think that we've made it still exceptional and just some people can. I think that, that we have had a wrong lens. You know, I said it's really important the lens that you view life through. It is the view that you will prophesy through. And if you have an Old Testament lens that God is a very angry, judgmental, punishing God, then you're probably going to be speaking that out of your mouth. And it's confusing, I know, when we do hear some prophets prophesying judgment. You know, like, what do I do with that? Well, here's the deal. The entire, that's an Old Testament model. The entire Old Testament 
was a progressive revelation pointing to someone, Jesus. When Jesus shows up on the scene, he completely flipped everything on its head. He completely changed everything. He reset the standard. And so you know that you've heard it said, and it was first said from Bill Johnson, at least first when I heard it, is that in the old covenant law that when you touched a leper, you became unclean. But what happened when Jesus touched the leper? The leper became clean. So now Jesus has settled the issue. We do not get to prophesy through an Old Testament lens of judgment. And I, you know, uh, Jonathan Edwards wrote a book in 17, I think it was 52. He preached a sermon. It's a book. The book is, is his sermon. And it was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And he is credited for marking the, the, um, the Great Awakening that happened at that point. And we're on the 500-year, coming up on the 500-year anniversary of the Great Reformation. And, and just a couple of weeks ago, the Lord started speaking to me. And he said, this, though, this will be the greater, this will be the greater Reformation And it is going to be marked by a great revelation of the love of a good, good father. You're not in the hands of an angry, punishing God. We actually are in the hands of a really good, loving father. And that's what this one's going to be marked with. And so we really have to be able to shift from that. You can't take, we can't pull out Old Testament scriptures and use them for today. There's a lot of things I don't understand. You know, when people are saying, well, this Harvey was judgment for Houston because of this or because of that. Well, you know what? Then what, why just Houston? <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, why stop there if we're going like, to be sending judgment? No. Things happen. We live in a fallen world. There are weather patterns. There are systems in place where things happen. We get to declare what God is saying. And so if the media the news media, and the Facebook Nazi people, you know, if they are the loudest voice, then no wonder there's so much fear and hatred and division in our country. So we have to be the louder voice, which guess what? We're going to have to then not be afraid and not be intimidated to shut up because that's what's happening, right? What in the world? Is that coffee? I was like, something is rumbling above me. It's fine. I was just wondering what it was. I was just wondering what it, what it was. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to say that because, you know, we're not an echo. An echo just kind of echoes and says what everybody else is saying. We're a voice, a clear voice that's speaking and cutting through the darkness. And in Colossians, it's either one or two. It says that, um, it says... Your life, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So you live in him and he lives in you. We live and move and have our being in him. And so it is through him, he is my lens. And so I need to get my lens cleansed. If I'm a person who's easily offended, if I am really judgmental and critical, what does Jesus say? In Matthew 7, he says, that will skew your lens. And if I have that skewed lens, I do not see myself correctly, and I will not see you correctly. And I cannot love, I mean, prophecy is a relational tool, and it is all about love. And so if I can't see you for who you really are and call that out, then I don't need to be prophesying to you. I've got to take care of my own heart, my own issues, right? And that's what we get to do as well. So, okay. Okay. 
that took a little bit more time than I wanted to. But, okay, so the, um, we are also at church. We're going to be on Thursday nights. What our whole desire is to build a prophetic community. And a prophetic community is a place where we just believe that all can prophesy. All can hear from God. And turn to Ephesians 4, and I want to look at something, but God is building up and maturing his church. And so when we know that we can all prophesy, a a prophetic community, and it's not in Ephesians 4, a prophetic community, do you remember the Old Old Testament? Uh, It was in Samuel, I think, where Saul was after David, and he sent some men of his own men to David's camp, and they were, the prophets were prophesying in the camp. And as soon as Saul's men got near the camp, they also started prophesying. And then remember, so then he sent some other men. And then they got near the camp and they started prophesying. If you don't know the story, look it up. It's pretty interesting. It's in Samuel. I just can't remember where. And so then Saul sends another group. And as soon as they get into the camp, they're also prophesying. So Saul was like, oh, my gosh, screw it. Oh, no, don't. Adam, who's editing this now? <laughs> don't say that. Edit that. He's like, okay, I'll go myself. And when Saul gets in the camp, Saul begins prophesying. What's happened? They have created a culture, a prophetic community where all can prophesy. And in that culture, it's just easy. It's easy to see and hear and say what God is saying. So all can prophesy, but not all are prophets. Prophets create a culture and dispel a, dispense a grace that makes it easy for people to see and hear and say what God is saying. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Let me say this. The purpose, let me, no, I told you to turn to Ephesians 4, so we'll look at it, but I didn't really want to read it, but we will. Um, verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. For what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. I'm going to stop right there. He's maturing his church. He has fivefold ministers in place. Not that they do all the work, not that they're it, because I also kind of grew up in an environment where the goal was to become that. I just have to somehow get to be that person and whatever I need to do so I can do that when actually it is an, uh, that's, ups, that's wrong. We have an upside down pyramid where actually the apostles and prophets, they're dispensing a grace so that the, uh, the entire church is doing the stuff. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to prophesy. Everyone gets to heal the sick. And so a prophetic company is a place where, yes, it's easy to hear and see and everyone is out there prophesying to the people on the streets. We also believe that the prophetic, it's not just a ministry skill, it's a life skill. And we're naturally supernatural people, and so we're not weird and kooky, and we don't say, well, I thus saith the Lord in the grocery store. We say things like, you know what, I really feel like God is saying that you have a real mother's heart, and I see you as such a nurturer. Immediately, they're being encouraged, right? So that's really what I wanted us to look at, is turn to 1 Corinthians 14. Okay, and I know that for some of you, you kind of know this stuff. I mean, like, I knew these verses. 
But as I really begun to like, I am just focusing on that right now, it has grown and bubbled within me that it is so much easier for me now. It's like so much more of just, I'm, it's on the forefront of my, my mind. Do you know what I mean? So the temptation sometimes is, oh, I know what that verse says. Don't do that. Like really get deeper and ask the Lord to unveil deeper layers of the onion for you. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So earnestly desire, like that means burn with zeal. First, pursue love. So love is the goal. If that person walks away feeling loved, you've nailed it. Pursue love and burn with zeal for the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding or building up or edifying and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy. The church to be built up, we all need to be prophesying. Isn't that what it says? Like if we want the church to be built up and become into what Ephesians 4 said, mature manhood, so that people aren't swayed by every wind of doctrine they hear, by every new thing that comes along. So it just, well, that sounded good. Or what that prophet said, it kind of sounded like, yeah, that made sense. We're not looking for rational human thinking and things that make sense. We're actually looking for the mind and heart of God. And so when we're saying that and we're all learning, we're building up the church. And the protocol for the prophetic then is that it edifies people, it encourages, and it comforts. So every prophetic word, the purpose of prophecy is to edify comfort, and encourage. The word prophecy or prophesy means to declare a thing known by divine revelation. It's to speak by divine inspiration. So that's the basic level for the protocol of the prophetic. Edify, comfort, encourage. The gift of prophecy, like I said, is available to everyone. The office of the prophet is someone God calls appoints and anoints. God chooses. The purpose of prophecy is to edify the people and build up the church. The purpose of the prophet is to equip the body with prophetic grace. So, here's the thing. If How many of you here like pray and ask God for things in your life? Like you hear and you've gotten a word for yourself over your life. Well, if you have gotten a word for your own life, from God, then you can get a word from him for someone else because it's the same grace. You're accessing the same grace by grace through faith. So to get prophetic words, number one, we just have to desire it. We have to, I am stirring up, fanning the flame, stirring up the affections of my heart to desire, burn with zeal that I might hear God more clearly, that I might prophesy. And so I ask for it. And when I ask for it, I believe that he really does want to share it with me. You know, Jesus said that everyone who asks receives. And if my heart's desire is, I really want to bless your people, God. I really want to encourage people. Then he also goes on, Jesus goes on to say, you know what? If you ask for a fish, if your son comes to you and asks for a fish, 
the Father's not going to give you a serpent. So I can really trust that if I am asking God that I want to hear his heart for this person in front of me, he's going to give me a good word. And if it's encouraging and if it's edifying and if it built them up, then I can feel good about that. They've walked away feeling loved. That's the basic level of prophetic. So um, talking about the gate of faith, so what I, and I used to do this. So if I have to, if my faith is open, then I'm going to hear from God. I believe it. I ask for it. I thank you. I used to say, well, I don't know if I'm hearing God clearly, and I can't prophesy. Like, I suck at prophesying, or I don't, I don't know that I hear from God for other people. That just closed the gate of my faith. Like, that negative judgment where my faith was open, all of a sudden it's just like this, right? It's like, we can't do that. So we're just going to, like, stay open. When we do the prophetic activations, you're like, you're going to just stay open, and go, you know what? I love it. Um, I think it's Dan McCollum that I heard say it first, and, and we did this years ago. I just decided at one point, when I'm talking to God and asking him for things, if it was good, if it lined up with scripture, if it lined up with his nature, if it was going to be encouraging, then I'm just going to believe, okay, that was God, probably not me. Because what I used to do is, well, this is probably just me, but maybe it's God. And Dan McCollum said, no, 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 flip it. Now I always say, hey, this is probably God. I mean, it may just be me. You know, it's like, why not believe that when you're asking for those things and you're hearing, go with it. Just go with it. You're, you're, when you do the exercises, that's what you're going to have to do because you got no choice. <laughs> <laughs> so when we get a word, we act on the word. Turn to 1 first, first Thessalonians 5. And again, today we're painting a broad brush before we do some of the activations. And then the next weeks, we're going to like dial in and zero in and really look at some of these things in a much closer, closer lens. But 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. You there? Okay, so I'll wait for you. Um, it says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecy, but test everything Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So I wanted to read this really quickly. Despise. I would always be like, well, I, you know, I don't despise prophecy. Because to me, despise meant hate. Despise is like, I despise you. I hate you. I don't hate prophecy. I like prophecy. I believe in prophecy. But he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. But test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Well, that word despise, it means to make of no account, to hold loosely, to lose esteem for, to bring to naught, reduce to nothing, to reject. So with that definition, I was like, wow, when I've gotten prophetic words, what have I done with them? Because I also kind of grew up in a camp where it was like, you know what? You get a prophetic word and you just shelf it. Then if it was God then it was true. It was a real prophetic word. And if it doesn't come true, well, then it wasn't really a prophetic word, or even worse, they're a false prophet, right? No. This is what the word says. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Based on that definition, I realized I despised so many of my prophecies. I held them loosely. I didn't do anything of them. I made them kind of of no account because I need to act on them. And I believe that one of the ways that we quench the Holy Spirit is by not acting in partnership with the prophetic words over our life. Raise your hand right here if you have not. No, 
No. Raise your hand if you have gotten a prophetic word over your life. I mean, and it can be just very simple, you know. If you have not, then by the end of the day, you're going to have a prophetic word over your life. You're going to have a word, and you're going to get more words. And by the end of this year, you are going to have your phone filled with prophetic words. And I mean, I have gotten some amazing prophetic words in just doing these exercises with you. Like this summer and then out at, at the mission, awesome words. Are you raising your hand? No? Okay. <coughs> so do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Test everything. Hold fast what is good. That is our protocol for how we judge our prophetic word. We test our prophetic word. We test it, and I hold on to what is good. I don't have to worry about getting slimed. I used to be like, well, I don't want that person to, you know, say anything to me because I might get slimed. Hey, I'm in control of me, and you're in control of you. And I don't have to receive into whatever the word, if I didn't think that it was a good word, I get to just flush it. You know what? Be like, mm, good try. Not so much. And if it's in a community like this, and this is what we're going to learn to practice, then we can give constructive feedback. You know what? I don't know. That didn't really resonate with my spirit, but, I mean, I can see where you're going with that, but I don't think so. And if I'm not a person who gets easily offended and hurt feelings and thinks now you think less of me, then I'm going to be okay with that, right? And so we get to be mature and deal with our stuff. And if it is bumping up against something in me, it might be shame, might be rejection, then I get to deal with that. And in a community that loves each other and holds each other, we get to do that. We get to be honest and say, you know what? Right now I'm feeling myself go, yeah, I feel like I suck. All of a sudden I fucking tear, you know? Talk about it. Because that's that's how we're growing in unity, in love. That's how we're maturing as the body. So, um, So in judging a prophetic word then, if you're testing and you're gonna hold on what is good, And you're just going to get rid of what was not. So we, number one, does it line up with the word of God? Does it line up with the word? You know, if it's just clearly so out of bounds of scripture, then you're probably going to flush that word. Um, Does it line up with the character and nature of God? Is it who he is as a good and loving father? And does it ring true to you? You know, sometimes, and don't write it off, like you might get this huge word and you're thinking, how in the world am I ever going to do that? Or how could that ever be true? Well, it's for future. You know, it doesn't mean right now, Kelly, you're going to stand in a stadium and you're going to preach to 10,000 people, you know. So it doesn't mean that it's right now. Um, So does it ring true to you? And here's a biggie. And I don't think that we've learned to practice this well in prophetic communities, and it's going to be huge in our community is does it ring true to those closest in your life around you and authority in your life? I've watched friends chase after a prophetic words that just did not ring true with me, did not ring true with other people, and they, their whole life they're running after these prophetic words that if they had been, because you have to be humble and willing to submit it, don't you? And sometimes we want it so badly, like we're just, mm -mm, I'm just going to run with this prophetic word. But everyone around you is going, you know what? That just doesn't ring true to me. I just don't feel like that's, you know, maybe later. I'm not saying that, but right now. So in a prophetic community, is it does it ring true to me, bear witness with my spirit and those closest around me? And so we submit our words. And then also consider the source who gave you a word. Is it a complete stranger on the street or was it Bob Jones? Now, Bob Jones would have to come back now, (laughs) which would be an amazing word. (laughs) 
which he has done that. He showed up in some people's dreams. I'm like, dang, Bob Jones, show, show up in my dream. Now, that's, I mean, run with that word. <laughs> like, put that word in the bank. That's a good word. So, you know, you consider the source. So those are some good things. I'm just trying to give you some very practical, like, protocol of how the prophetic, so that we don't get weird, so that we're not out there. And here's the other thing. I, I think that, I like, that's why I like how he says in the mirror, it doesn't, it's not this spooky thing. Part of the reason mm, other church folk or the world thinks we're weird is because we have been. <laughs> you know? We have been spooky. We have been weird. And also, we've been mean-spirited, and we do stand up and say, well, that was the judgment of God on California. Well, who wants that? No wonder California's like, ah, thank you. No, we don't want that God. So what we need to do is really learn how to be very practical and be very naturally supernatural and in a very uh, relatable, relational way prophesy a heavy, weighty word that hits the mark. Do you know what I'm saying? Correction and direction, yeah, yeah. Not today, not today. You mean pro- you mean prophesying through correction? Yes. I do not ever think that you should use prophecy to correct. I know, but I'm just saying, prophesying to someone, exhortation, that sort of thing is one thing. But when you're prophesying to someone from a correctional or directional standpoint, those are two. Yeah. Well, so so number one, so directional, we do say. Um, you got to really know you're hearing from God if you are hearing a life course changing directional word. Like God is saying, pack up your kids and husband and move across the state because you're going to do this or, you know, leave your husband, which, you know, I mean, you know, like, so I and babies, like that's a sensitive one, dates, mates, and babies, because people that are struggling with infertility and They'll get lots of words about a baby. And so we just use wisdom. I mean, again, like I said, it does happen. And if you know that you know that you know, fine. But we're just careful about prophesying those things. You're going to have a husband in six months, you know, or this is your husband. No. Like, we don't do those things. Um, But I will say correction, I've seen it come as thus saith the Lord. That's just not the way to correct because you're a person, and when you're adding the weight of this is what God says, that feels so weighty and could be super harmful. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> so, okay, no. So that's different. That's more... You could be saying, I feel like the Lord is saying that you do have permission to change jobs if that's what you want to do. That's, but that's not what I mean. I'm talking correction. I'm talking, you know, the Lord says that you really have an issue with pride. You saying, the Lord's saying that you really have an issue with pride and you really need to deal with that. Well, that's just not, you know, because God speaks to us very, when, when Holy Spirit, convi- now he might say that to me, Kelly, that right there is pride. And that feels good to me. But when somebody else says, thus saith the Lord, you're proud. We're, we're drawing out gold. It's super easy to see what's wrong with people, isn't it? Yeah. It's super easy to see the junk. But we're not speaking to the junk. We're speaking to the gold, and we're calling out the gold. We're mining for gold. That's what we're doing. We're not, we're not addressing the junk. And so actually that word, you know, there's a verse in the Old Testament that says that a thing cannot be established in the earth unless a declaration is made. 
So when you're speaking to a person, and say you might be picking up on something, like somebody you feel like does have a very strong, like, lust problem maybe or something, you know, or you think pornography or whatever. And, and I've been in a ministry situation where I, I you know, like, I, that was going on. But what do you do? You speak the opposite. You're saying the Lord says that you are so pure and holy and blameless in his sight. Like you are so clean. I so see how the Lord, like you are as white as snow. Well, what's that going to do to them? Call them up into that. We're calling them up into and we're establishing something in their life. What if I had said, wow, the Lord is showing me you really have a lust problem. (laughs) I mean, you know, like... I mean, and I know people that they say, oh, my gosh, they hear a prophet's coming to town in a meeting, and they don't go to the meeting because they think, oh, my gosh, the prophet's going to see all my junk, and it's going to get called out. And I've been in a meeting where that happened, and let me tell you, it is ugly. And let me tell you something. I've been in the same meetings with the same prophet who prophesied stuff that was so not God, and you know what? It did happen, and it wasn't the heart of the Father. It was not his plan. And it angers me so bad. And if I'd been stronger then, I was younger, I just would have stood up and said, "Uh uh-uh, no, that isn't God. Do not listen to that. Our words carry so much weight. And when I am speaking, thus saith the Lord, which we're not doing that, we're not doing that. But when my words carry weight and you're establishing things with your word, you know, death and life are in the power of the tongue and we will eat its fruit. Whatever it is, good or bad. And so I'm just excited to have this many women and then more because I just feel like the Lord is calling up people to really begin to take seriously. Like every day I want to give a prophetic word. Like every day I'm just going to put on my big girl panties and not be afraid. And in the grocery store line, no matter if they think I'm a freak or not, I'm going to give the checkout counter girl a prophetic word. Or I'm going to give my waiter or my Uber driver, you know, a prophetic word. And if I'll do that, I promise you, it's just going to start to come more easily, more naturally. So that's what we get to do. So let me skip over some of this. I told y'all prophecy is a life skill. It's a relational tool. It connects people to the heart of the father. So they walk away feeling loved. That's the goal. Um, my priority is my relationship with him. This is my priority. My priority is not so that I can give a prophetic word. Because if I feel better because I'm prophesying more accurately, then I'm now moving into performance. And I actually think it's about me. And I'm going to continue to do that so I can continue to get prophetic words. That's not, that's sending us into performance is not the goal. I actually am maintaining my connection and my intimacy with God. That's my job. And in doing that, I am beginning to actually know the affections of his heart. I actually know his character and his nature because he is imparting it to me. I love, Sean Bowles had a quote. I think I wrote it down. Yeah, he says, as we grow in closeness to God and his thoughts, the revelation gifts impart to us his very nature. We get words of wisdom and words of knowledge for our generation, that these are actually spiritual gifts that are like keys that can unlock secrets. They bring his secrets. They unlock things. Strategies, thoughts, and ideas that can affect every sphere. Political, we need that. You know, the education system, environmental issues, church world, that we can get a download from God that completely unlock and, and bring an entire, like, cure for cancer, whatever it is, the revelation gifts. And this is the thing, too. We often just write it off because we think it's our thought. 
Like God speaks to you in your language. And I think that we would be surprised how often where we have thought this was my thought and it was actually God's. And so that what God is speaking to me all the time, I've learned now just to go, okay, this is God. This is what God is saying. He does sound like me and, it, and, it, and I'm not going to write it off. It's just, well, that's my thought. I'm actually going to communicate it because I do believe it's from God. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians 2. Any questions? <laughs> Is that a yes? 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. <clears throat> what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual So Holy Spirit, I know my own thoughts. You may not know what I'm thinking right now, unless you are crazy, super prophetic. I know my own thoughts. God knows my own thoughts. But guess what? He has given me the ability, and he desires me to know his thoughts also. And I can know his thoughts. And he says that we might understand the things freely given to us by God because he's given you Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is searching the depths of God. Holy Spirit is mining his heart and his mind and his thoughts for the planet. And Holy Spirit is looking for someone to partner with so that they will hear his thought and speak them. And so we might understand, so that we might be able to communicate. There's a really cool thing. It's called neuromapping of the brain. And I love that, you know, God is always speaking, And God's thoughts are innumerable as the sand of the sea. Like there's just, you can't even contain them. There's just, he's always speaking. He's all, all of his thoughts. Well, the neuromapping of the brain, our brain is the only organ that can grow with social interaction. And there's something called the neurobiology of we. Have you all heard of that? Neurobiology of we. And it's that neurons that fire together, wire together. And people who agree on like ideas and spend a lot of time together, they begin to share or cross neurons. And they share similar neuron mapping. And it actually causes our brain chemistry to change. So, like Anne-Marie and I, like we are... Like so ridiculously, like we say the same thing. If we're about to text on a text thread, we text the exact same thing. The other night our kids laughed at us. We were at dinner and we both had our hand on our glass. We both, they like, they said, look at y'all. We both like had our glass, like just, you know, on this. What's happened over 30 years of close relationship and spending time together is, it's kind of weird actually, but our brains have sort of wired (laughs) together. We are sharing consciousness But here's the deal. You also share consciousness with God. 
So as you are thinking on God, spending time with God, sharing like ideas, hearing his ideas, meditating on his ideas, meditating on his thoughts, you are crossing your neuro, your brain's neuroplastic, your brain's always changing. So he's actually communicating and giving you new thoughts that's changing your brain. Isn't that cool? You're like literally sharing God consciousness. People sometimes freak out when they hear me or somebody say consciousness. Consciousness means to know together with. So God consciousness is to know together with God. It's not weird. The New Agers don't get to steal stuff. You know, we actually, God created everything. Rocks and crystals are good because God made them. It has his DNA in them. They can cry out and speak because quantum physics says they can. <laughs> they have a voice, right? The rainbow is not one people group. The rainbow is God's promise. So that's what we're doing. We're just stepping in and we're saying we're not afraid of all that. We're not living in the opposite or rejection of something. We're living towards something greater and better and more beautiful and we're redeeming everything. Y'all are redeemers. That's what we're doing. So when I talk about consciousness and I'm going to talk about some other weird stuff, I know, don't freak out. Because when I did teach on the power of sound one night at church, three men left. And I saw them leave. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yep. They're like, nope, she's in a new age. She started talking about energy and all that. So I was like, you know what? Just read your Bible. (laughs) It's like all in there. And I've also had men leave because I'm a woman and I'm speaking. But thank God I've learned to not be offended. Okay, so God is constantly rewiring and remapping our inner consciousness. You can't leave before the prophetic activation. We're doing it in five minutes. You chicken. (laughs) No, you're not. I know you're not. You were actually there last time. Bye. Okay, bye. So if God is constantly, if he, we're sharing, we're, we're transmitting, we're sharing consciousness. If I am, if I don't have God's consciousness, then I am going to be limited to natural low level consciousness and human reasoning. Do you see what I'm saying? If I don't have God's consciousness, then I will be limited to natural low level consciousness, which is human reasoning. That's what people are doing. Fake news. People spread fake news. We watch the media. We hear what CNN is saying. We hear what Fox is saying. We just, we say it again and we say it again. And pretty much, like pretty soon, millions of people are saying the same thing. They're knowing together. They're sharing consciousness. And when it's said so many times, people just start to believe it. Oh, well, they said it. And -and so-and-so wrote it. And the newsman said it. So we have to share God's consciousness so that that's what we're communicating because we are shifting that thing. We're replacing, we're nullifying the sound. When, when I am speaking the voice of God in agreement, that noise, that constant static and noise, I am nullifying that sound and replacing it with the word of God and the truth of God. And that has to happen. It has to happen. It's our job. So... In the prophetic ministry, here's the thing. Personal identity really does come first. Like, you've got to know who you are. I have to know who I am. The Bible, it tells us corporately who we are, right? As sons and daughters of God. We're the temple of God. Corporately, the Bible says we're priests and kings. We're salt and light. The Bible is telling me corporately who we all are. Prophecy can tell us individually who we are. 
Prophecy speaks to my personal identity. It identifies us as a unique individual. Prophecy speaks from a heavenly position. Where are you seated? Are you seated here? Where are you seated? In heavenly places. So prophecy speaks to how you are known in heaven. It's like overhearing a conversation of what heaven is saying about you. You know? It's like heaven is saying, like, Tracy, she's like her prophetic art is actually going to shift atmospheres. Like Tracy is known as a famous, very prolific, (laughs) with tons of money coming in for her artwork. (laughs) That's who heaven says she is. It's like you get to lean in and hear that conversation. So you're just leaning in. You're hearing a conversation of heaven if that's what somebody says about somebody. So I need to know that. Remember, what did the angel call Gideon? Remember Gideon's hiding out in the wine press and he's afraid for the Midianites? Yeah. Mighty man of valor. You warrior. Had he ever done anything? So heaven declares who you are before you've ever done anything. And the other thing is, even if he hadn't gone and led the army and done what God said he was going to do, he still would have been known as a mighty man of, of valor. He still would have been known as a mighty warrior. The angel said, go in this substance of yours and lead Israel. So you carry substance of who heaven says you are. It's like I told you all years ago when I got knocked out, when I first did this Bible study and passed out cold and all of that, and it was terrible, a horrible experience. And after that, the Lord spoke to me, said, do not ever give your authority to another again. Because what happened is I let intimidation and fear come in And I was like, well, I'm just never going to do that again. I will never teach again. And the Lord said, do not ever give your authority to another again. I've called you a prophetic teacher. I've given you the seat you stand in. I've given you the pulpit you preach in. And when you stand in that place, you're standing in the authority and the anointing that I've given you. So I wear that thing like a cloak. So when I have to go speak somewhere where I'm nervous or something or I'm feeling like, oh, I have nothing to say or I'm a little scared to do it, I'm like, no, this is who God said that I am. God said I'm a prophetic teacher. God's given me authority and anointing. And as I start to do that, I mean, I'm like, yes, I can do it. This is who I, this is who he's made me to be. So you need to know who you are. So we get to get prophetic words. And the other thing is I think sometimes feel like people feel like, well, I mean, that word was little or that word was little or I I don't, or I don't want to give a word because what if it really wasn't true? Psalm 139 says that God's thoughts towards you are like the sand of the sea, innumerable. So picture yourself walking down the beach, and you, you want to prophesy, I want to prophesy over Jenny. And I'm walking down the beach, and I just scoop up a handful of sand. And I'm just sifting the sand, and I'm only looking for one or two little pieces of sand of God's thoughts towards her. And I get to speak those. And there's millions of others. There's, it's infinite, his thoughts towards her. Does that take some of the pressure off of you? Like, I don't have to have the keyword. I don't have to. And you know what? If we're honest, sometimes there's the pressure that I do. I want to give somebody the big word, the keyword. I want it to really hit the mark. And again, that narrows my gate of faith. It's not about me. There's no pressure to perform. We just want to love on them and communicate what God's saying about them. Huh? Oh. <laughs> I'll give them to you. I'll give them to you later. We're going to run out of time. <laughs> I will, I promise. So I love that because our heavenly position, how I'm known in heaven, authority flows out of that. So how are you known? Do you know? Do you all know who God's made you to be? Some of who he's made you to be. He's made you to be all kinds of things. I'm not just a prophetic teacher. 
So if I know who I am, there's no pressure to perform. I don't try to deserve or earn. It's just who I am. So that what you do will flow out of who you are. If you have a huge prophetic word that you are like going to be the most anointed, gifted prophet that ever walked the planet, and you're going to give earth-shattering words, yet you've got some serious character issues. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to flow out of who heaven says that I am. I told y'all the most... I, the big prophetic word I get all the time is you're going to write books, which now and it begin to condemn me because... I'm not writing books right now, but I know I'm supposed to be. And so it's this thing. And I kept getting the same word. And I was like, yes, another confirmation. Sweet. But it just showed that I was not doing anything with the word. Because that's a conditional word, right? I got to actually pick up a pen or my laptop as I start writing. But it was in May. And it really, it really blessed me. This man walked up to me with a pencil. And he said, the Lord told me to give you this pencil. And he wants you to know that you are known as an author in heaven. And if you never write a book, you're still known as an author in heaven. Isn't that awesome? So that just freed me up. I was like, well, sweet. <laughs> Although I do want to write the books. You know what I mean? I do want to do that. So what you're going to do flows out of who you are and how you're known in heaven. And we get to contribute little pieces to everyone with the words that we're giving them. So here's the deal. In giving words. Oh, and I want to tell you this. I love this. Dan McCollum says, may I now be on earth as I am in heaven. So, may I now, he just twisted our little, you know, kingdom on earth. May I now be on earth as I am in heaven. Like, that's my prayer. That's my declaration. So, when we're giving a word, here's our just quick little protocol. Because we're going to do it. And just, we're going to step out in faith. And we're going to just quick little tiny word for someone next to you. Uh, Remember, we're looking for the goal. So, number one, be positive. Be positive. Number two, be brief. We practiced this summer, we tried to practice the 90-second rule, and there is a method to this madness. The 90-second rule is this. There's no reason to give lots and lots of words because sometimes when we feel like we've got to add to the prophetic word and keep talking, we've actually begun to say things that weren't God. They're now us. You know? Yeah. Or we're interpreting the word for them, you know? That's not our job. If I've got three words, just give the three words. That's, sometimes that could just be super powerful, actually more powerful than if I'd gone on for three minutes. And especially those of us that like to be chatty and wordy, that's harder for us. And there's another reason we want to do the 90-second rules, because we're going to switch. We're going to do lots of them. We want to keep moving. And if somebody goes on for five minutes, then we can't. So, so be positive, be brief, be kind. You know, like some people like can be scary. Like when they give a prophetic word, they're just screaming the prophetic word. You know, like ah, it's so scary. I don't really see any of y'all in here doing that, but just be kind and be humble. You know, we like I said, we don't have to be like, well, I know a hundred percent fact that God has said this. We use language like, you know, I really feel like, or I really sense that, or. You know, you might not even see God, say God. If I'm out in the grocery store or something, I might not even say, well, you know, God told me or God said this. I might just eliminate his name altogether and give him an encouraging, powerful word. I told you last, um, last year that I read that guy's aura because that's the language he spoke. He's like, dude, you've got such a good aura. Like, you've got multicolored aura around you. I really like it. He just goes on and on and... 
I was like, well, that's cool. I said, can I do you now? Can I read your aura? And he goes, well, sure. So I just started reading his aura. I was giving him a prophetic word, but I was speaking in his language. And he's like, we get each other. We share the same, I can't remember what he said. We share the same DNA or something. I said, no, oh, it's a little different. <laughs> It's like, it's a little different. And then I did just, I think I did say something about, you know, I just really believe God speaks to me. And, but he still loved that because God speaks to him, you know? <laughs> so anyway, be positive, be brief, be kind, be, hum- be humble. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to scoop some sand and we're going to give one little nugget, one little piece of sand. Or I love this. Yeah, Lustra. What if you just get a picture? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that, I'm glad you said that. So, and we're going to go into this next week. You just give the picture. You just give the picture. So say you say, wow, I don't know why, but when I look at you, I see a bright, shining sun. If I don't know, for me to go on and try to interpret it might be to completely miss it. So I would just say, I see a picture of an apple. Now, I might then all of a sudden be getting the, the interpretation. This is the other thing. These are the things. That, I'm glad you asked this question because it's good for this exercise that we're going to do. Actually, we'll do two of them. That's a good question for this exercise. In the following weeks, we are literally going to do just look at just that. We're going to talk about pictures. We're going to talk about name rhyming. We're going to talk about all these different ways we hear from God. Some of you are feelers. You feel. Like, I feel something. Some of you are seers. You see. Some of you hear. Some of you hear Bible verses. Bible verses are an awesome way to get a prophetic word. You know, you get a scripture. I like hear songs in my sleep a lot, or I'll hear something like that in my sleep, and I wake up and I go look up the song, and the words are exactly what they were, need to hear. So there's lots of ways God speaks, and we're going to do tons of different activations on each one of those. Um, today we're just going to do one, we're going to do two activations. Here's the other thing. There is such a thing as tachyon particles, and a tachyon particle is a small subatomic particle that travels faster than the speed of light. So I like that we learned out there, so Dan McCollum likes to say, so we have tachyon thoughts. And a tachyon thought just flies across my brain. Instead of writing it off like that was just, you know, whatever, I grab it. And I grab the first thought. Because if I don't, sometimes I miss it. And I try to be like really profound or I start to really dig. So a lot of times if I stand up in front of Janelle, I go with the very first thing the very first thought that crossed my mind. Does that make sense to you? I think, it's a good, I think it's just a good thing to practice, especially in these quick drills. So we're going to do this prophetic activation. is called the name game. What's in a name? And, you know, I don't really believe our names are by accident. I mean, our parents named us, but I really believe that our names do prophesy over who we are. Remember when God changed Abram, which meant exalted father, to Abraham, which meant father of nations. Every time Abraham heard his name, or every time he said his name, he's prophesying who he is, right? Well, so are you. So this is, so the name game is you can do, like you can ask them, do you know what your name means? They can tell you, and then you can just give them a quick little word about that. If you, it's okay to look on your phone, you know, Shannon, what does Shannon mean? Well, I'm going to look it up on my phone. Okay, Shannon means this, and I'm going to then just give her a brief little word about that. Um, biblical characters, Deborah would be an easy one for what? Prophetess, you know? Um, I would probably try to not give that. I would try to find a deeper, another word, just because I'm sure you've gotten that. But um, historical fig, um, uh, what are they called? Historical figures. Historical figures, thank you. Um, sounds alike. Like Mickey sounds like my key. Um, Stan sounds like stand or standard. 
when I start to give it, like say I just did that for Janelle, her husband's name is Stan. I really right now don't have anything in my mind except that, except for it does stand, sound like standard. So I might only have two words, and as soon as I start to speak those two words, God fills me with more. So I do know that Stan, he really is. To me, he is such a standard bearer. Like he is just, to me, so much strength and such a father, and he sets such a standard of authority and manhood and actually how he carries himself and just how he is in a very, very quiet, authoritative way. So I really do feel like the Lord is saying that Stan really does set the standard, and he is a standard bearer actually for who we are, that he makes us feel super safe. And even y'all sitting on the front uh, row at the very end feels like it's a protective. I don't know if you do it that way or not. I think y'all do it for the music, but I'm not sure. But it feels super protective and safe. So I do feel like that's who that the Lord says that Stan is. So, so I did not think any of that at first. You know what I'm saying? But as soon as I start to say it, I, the Lord just fills your mouth with more. It's faith. You just got to take a risk and step out in faith. So, you can't run out, cat. <laughs> what? Huh? All right. Okay. All right. So, grab, I would rather you grab someone you don't know, but it might be easier just to grab the person next to you, but it's harder if you know them. And I'm not asking you to give a big word. Remember, we're going to be brief. The very longest you can go is 90 seconds. So grab someone. If you know their name, whatever you want to do, grab that tachyon thought. You, let me say, you might see, you might, whatever, just go for it. I'm not going to give you more instructions.